Cerebral is an online mental health service that offers prescription medication, counseling, and therapy for anxiety, depression, ADHD, insomnia, and more. Cerebral is one of the few services that provides prescription medication online through a licensed provider and ships medication straight to your door. You can schedule sessions based on what's most convenient for you, and you don't have to wait weeks to be seen. And BuzzFeed Daily listeners can receive 65% off your first month of medication management and care counseling at Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed. Go to Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed for 65% off your first month. Join Cerebral today on their mission to make quality mental health care accessible and affordable for all. If dog people made dog food, it wouldn't be sold in a 50-pound bag in the hardware aisle by the shoe polish. It would actually be food. It would be made with real, fresh meat and veggies gently cooked to preserve their nutritional value. You know, like food. The Farmer's Dog was created by dog people who cook and deliver fresh, healthy food. Try the Farmer's Dog and get fresh, pre-portioned meals tailored to your dog's needs. Tell us about your dog, build your plan, and get 50% off at thefarmersdog.com slash listen. That's thefarmersdog.com slash listen. This is Roxanne Gay, the host of the Roxanne Gay Agenda, the bad feminist podcast of your dreams. Each week I talk to an interesting person about feminism, race, writing in books and art, food, pop culture, and yes, politics. We can't escape politics. Listen to the Luminary Original Podcast, The Roxanne Gay Agenda, every Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A high school photo of Rachel Bilson and Rami Malek has everyone talking. It's Trans Day of Visibility and celebrities are speaking out about it. And we're discussing Demi Lovato's new documentary with Spencer Kornhaber. It's March 31st, 2021. Hey friends, I'm Casey Rackham. And I'm Shyla Watson. Welcome to BuzzFeed Daily. Okay, Shyla, do you want to know the only reason that I know that March 31st exists? <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> and it's like not from school. It's not from any like fun, like rhyme or song that people are taught. It's just, it's just from Parks and Rec. When, do you know when <laughs> April also thinks that March 31st doesn't exist? And she sets up, I think, like 96 meetings on that one day and ruins yep. Ron's life. <laughs> Anyways, today is that day. Today is the day that some of us know exists and others don't. (laughs) It's wild because March really flew by this year, whereas last year it lasted, well, like 300 days. So (laughs) Yes, that's extremely accurate. I literally can't believe tomorrow is April. (laughs) So I'm going to have to sit with that one for a little bit. No, but I'm ready. It's my birthday month and tourist season. I will be at (laughs) my all-powerful self. (laughs) Okay, we need to start with Rami Malek and Rachel Bilson attending the same high school and Bilson posting a photo about it. A few years ago, Bilson posted a photo of her and Rami from high school on Instagram. The photo was captioned, hey, at Rami Malek, where'd you get that gold chain? Hashtag TBT, hashtag Oscar worthy, hashtag don't forget the little people. But Bilson deleted it like immediately after. And we finally got our answer why on Armchair Expert with Dak Shepard. I had posted a throwback of us. From our senior trip to New York, Broadway, we're super, like, nerdy, like, just, you know, the dorkiest picture of both of us. But I throw it up because it's funny, and I think it's so important to be able to make fun of yourself. Mm -hmm. And he had, like, a gold chain, and I'm like, Rami, where'd you get the gold chain? Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) So I think, you know, I'm just being funny. We were good friends. I don't 
usually check my DMs on my Instagram, you know, and like maybe a week goes by and I actually look and I have a message from Rami. But it wasn't like, hey, how are you? Blah, 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 blah. It was like straight to, I would really appreciate if you take that down. I'm a really private person. Rachel continued that Malik's stylist said that the photo of him didn't look great. And let's just clear this up. This is a photo of both of them in high school. Does does anyone look good in high school? <laughs> the answer is no. No one does. I mean, except for Gen Z now, because they've all figured out fashion and makeup way before any of the rest of us did. But, like, <laughs> but point being, I, I don't know. This is like started a, like a really big conversation. A lot of people are on Rachel's side. A lot of people are on Rami's side of like, you know, I get it. He's a private person. He doesn't want it. But like, I also do get it, you know, because she did, you know, it's it's this, you know, she's a TV actor and he's a film actor. Yes. And, you know, there's that big <laughs> Oscar Emmy divide. So I think there's a lot of those tones that where people are like, oh, you think you're better than me? <laughs> but, you know, I think what she said is right. It's like you have to be able to make fun of yourself a little bit. I mean, listen, to this day, my best friends have a secret like Finsta account where they just post really bad photos of me. And Oh my I, god, I, I forgot will, about that. <laughs> I will never reveal the username, but just know that they <laughs> post to it way more than I'd like. But you know what? I don't freak out because it's 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 all in good fun. You know, and I think you do have to be able to laugh at yourself with these things. Mm. Do you want to hear a fun fact about me? Oh, yes, please. <laughs> this high school that, that Rami and Rachel both went to, I used to go watch football games there because it's down the street <laughs> from my parents' house. <laughs> All, a bunch nice. of my friends from middle school went to that high school. <laughs> Anyways, I am directly connected to this story. That's the point of this. <laughs> okay, so moving on. Today is Trans Day of Visibility. And, you know, you want it to be a day where we're talking about positivity and love and joy. Because, you know, we need to take time to talk about joy when it comes to trans lives. But it is so hard to do so. When lawmakers are still obsessed with stripping trans people of their rights and the timing of it all just makes it that much more obvious. Arkansas recently passed a law that allows healthcare providers to ban healthcare for transgender youth. Additionally, Missouri is one of many states considering a law that bans trans women and girls from sports. Multiple celebrities have come out against these laws. Jesse Tyler Ferguson called the Arkansas law horrible and devastating, and Dan Levy referred to it as fucking abhorrent. U.S. women's soccer star Megan Rapinoe testified before Congress last week, and here's what she had to say about banning trans youth from sports. First, just off the top, I, uh, as a member of the LGBTQ community, I firmly stand with uh, the trans family um, and that whole community. And as someone who has played um, sports with um, someone who is trans, I can assure you, um, all is well. Nothing is is spontaneously combusting. I mean, it is just... So horrible to be in the year 2021 and having laws like these passed. It's it's just I really feel like people are going out of their way to be assholes. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's just it's it's so terrible. Like you said, this is a time when we should be celebrating. I mean, it takes a lot of strength and courage to come out and be your true self. And, you know, when your government, your home state, you know, where you possibly grew up is working against you, telling you that you don't have the same rights as other people in the world. Like, that's just it's, it's really shitty. And I don't know when it's going to stop, but it needs to stop like yesterday. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And, you know, it will continue to get better if people in power continue to speak out against it. Yes, but also 
you know, that shouldn't really even be their responsibility. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it, it's good. It's good that people are using their platform. And that's what's really going to make a difference at the end of the day. But I just, I feel like we've been having this conversation forever. And it's, I just, we need change. <laughs> but moving on, we're now talking about Demi Lovato's new docuseries, Dancing with the Devil. The third episode dropped yesterday, and the entire series has featured Demi being brutally honest about her addiction issues and how she's dealt with repeated sexual trauma. So just a warning, we're going to be talking about that in detail. If that's not something you're ready to listen to, please skip ahead. Lovato's story is one of many where young pop stars give us a look inside their lives and reveal their traumas. To understand why this has become the new normal, we're joined by Atlantic staff writer Spencer Kornhaber. He wrote the piece, Stars Now Understand That Their Destruction Is Our Entertainment. Hi, Spencer. Hi. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? Good. So glad to have you here. So to start, we need to know, what are your thoughts on the docuseries so far? I mean, the third episode of Four dropped yesterday. What's it been like to watch this? Yeah, it's been overwhelming, to be honest. Um, I went into it kind of just expecting an update on what's been going on with Demi Lovato. And it is kind of uh, one thing after another sort of listing of really like terrible things about her life, things that she's been through. And it kind of is like wham, wham, wham. And I found it like tough to process each revelation. They just like was one thing after another. Um, And so I feel for what she's gone through. And it's also just really made me kind of like think about like, what are we doing here? Why, why are we getting so much uh, information all at once? Yeah, she's made a lot of really shocking revelations so far about, you know, her overdose and a sexual assault by her drug dealer. In the latest episode, she delves into how this all impacted the people around her. What's stuck out to you the most so far? Yeah, um, I mean, there have been a number of things that really I had to pause and, like, take that in. Her discussing the death of her father, who struggled with alcoholism and drug use, she just describes it as this really traumatic moment. And she really goes into sort of graphic detail about the way that he died and and how he was found. And that sort of like set the tone early in the first episode for the kind of like level of candor that we were getting as the documentary has gotten around to talking about the impact that her addiction and struggles have had on the people around her. It's been pretty clear eyed about the harm it's caused and, and the way that, um, some of her associates found themselves being the victim of online mobs of her fans, or, you know, we've kind of heard in pretty, straightforward way how she has misled her friends and family in the past about substance use. And so these are just like really tricky things to um, see a pop star just kind of like putting all out there all at once. And, you know, the point you bring up in your piece is how destructive documenting her own trauma is for Lovato. You know, in fact, she talks about how the making of her past two documentaries about abuse and addiction messed her up even more. Can you explain what the motivation to keep doing this might be? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think the deal is that she is a very famous person. She has been a very famous person since a very young age, and she is used to living her life in public. She feels a sense that her livelihood is is bound up with a sense of authenticity and candor and um, really being on a level with her fans. And she's also aware that, you know, when she overdosed, it was a huge media spectacle, and there was a lot of information out there. And she wants to come in and and say, this is what really happened. She wants to take charge of that narrative. And you can understand that there's some power in that. You know, the filmmaker and she have also talked about other motivations, such as trying to fight the stigma that surrounds addiction and mental illness. 
and kind of raising awareness about various treatment options there are. Um, so there's kind of like a larger point, but I, I think it comes down to, she just feels like she needs to come quote unquote clean. Like she needs to be completely transparent about what she's been through, or at least give that impression. Mm, okay. So yeah, giving that impression does this documentary feel honest to you? You know, Demi's very open about where she is with her sobriety. She refers to herself as being, quote, California sober. I mean, as a viewer, as a fan, are people worried about her? Are you worried about her after this documentary? Yeah, it's an interesting thing that the documentary itself raises the question of whether she's okay right now. It does spend a lot of time kind of interrogating the question of, well, haven't you lied to us before? Or like, haven't you um, put this out here before and then gone backwards? And, you know, there are people in the documentary, Scooter Braun, a super powerful um, agent, and Elton John both come out and say that Demi's strategy right now, which is to drink and smoke in moderation so as to prevent her from doing a more serious relapse, doesn't tend to work. You know, it's that they say moderation doesn't work, but they support her trying it. You know, that's a dicey dicey thing to put out there for a pop star. Yeah. Um, wow. So much to dissect here. We'll be right back to talk more about Demi as well as other musicians who have had the documentary treatment. At Chief It, we're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self-doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. Hello, hello. Hey, I don't know if you heard, but my podcast, Checking It, has been nominated for the NAACP Image Award in the category of Outstanding Lifestyle and Self-Help Podcast. I'm grateful for the nomination. I, I almost didn't even do a podcast because I was just wondering, there are thousands of podcasts out there and why is my voice needed? But a nomination from the NAACP lets me know that um, I made the right choice. And I encourage you to do, don't worry if there are thousands of something out that you want to do. No, nobody has your sauce. So listen, you can still vote. Go to vote.naacpimageawards.net. You have until February 5th, um, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And please listen to my podcast. We're a part of the Black Effect Podcast Network on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for checking in. Adoption of teens from foster care is a topic not enough people know about, and we're here to change that. I'm April Dinwiddie, host of the new podcast, Navigating Adoption, presented by Adopt US Kids. Each episode brings you compelling real-life adoption stories told by the families that live them with commentary from experts. Visit adoptuskids.org slash podcast or subscribe to Navigating Adoption, presented by Adopt US Kids. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Administration for Children and Families and the Ad Council. Welcome back. We're talking with Spencer Kornhaber about Demi Lovato's docu-series. She's certainly not the first celebrity to do this. We've seen similar things from Billie Eilish and Justin Bieber recently. How do you think those two works compare to what Demi is putting out? Yeah, I mean, the circumstances of all these kind of recent pop documentaries that sort of focus on 
some of the darker aspects of the star's lives. The details really differ. You know, Justin Bieber put out a documentary about a year ago, and it was largely focused on his struggle with autoimmune disorders and Lyme disease, but also talking about addiction, suicidal thoughts, the pressures of fame. Billie Eilish's new documentary talks about her own suicidal feelings and depression. You know, that's not the same thing as having a heroin overdose, obviously. But the through line through all of them is that um, fame is identified as the culprit. It really is what called out as pushing these young people to really dark places. And so there's a sort of like a contradiction that I feel is like really tough to like know how to feel about, which is that these documentaries are doing the work of the famous person being famous, but they're also about how toxic fame can be. Yeah, I mean, these documentaries that have come out are new, but it reminds me of, you know, the old Behind the Music episodes. Like, this is something we've been watching for years, you know, decades. So why do you think we as viewers have been so interested in even watching this kind of content? Yeah, it's such a good question. You know, is it just voyeurism and, like, schadenfreude? Do we actually, deep down, just, like, want to see rich and pretty people suffer and, like, know that they aren't perfect? Or is it that they kind of like reflect something about our lives and and we want to relate to them as human beings? Um, I think it's probably a mixture of both. I think it also just like conflict and struggle makes people interesting. You know, there's been a lot of talk about the myth of the tortured artist and how, you know, this idea that you have to be depressed or addicted in order to make good art. That's been like a cultural idea and that we all have known for a long time. But like, you can see now that that's sort of like a toxic thing and it, and it encourages and glamorizes sort of like um, harmful behaviors and really dark things. And so what it feels like is happening is we're kind of like working our way back to having that kind of like obsession with the myth of the tortured artist, but we're kind of putting it in a more like medicalized or therapeutic context where we're talking about the social conditions that create the trauma and like the ways that it's dealt with. You know, and we also can't talk about this without talking about framing Britney Spears. And there's also a new Tina Turner documentary that explores how she became haunted by her own life story and trauma. Do you think there's a tipping point where these movies and shows become exploitative, even if the stars are involved themselves? I I think the Demi case has really made me wonder that because Demi has been the most clear about saying that publicizing her struggles in the past put more pressure on her and that pressure led to an even worse situation. But the Tina Turner documentary is super interesting. Tina Turner was ahead of the curve on a lot of these matters where she came out to People Magazine decades ago and talked about the way that she'd been abused by Ike Turner. She did that, according to the documentary, so that she wouldn't have to talk about it anymore, so that she could kind of like move past it. But what ended up happening was the public became obsessed with it, and sort of that story has followed Tina Turner around for decades, and she doesn't like it. She doesn't like talking about it. It sort of re-traumatizes the star. So what are we really accomplishing here? I, you know, I really am not sure. And then, you know, we have Britney Spears, who just, I think today or yesterday, went on Instagram and said that she really didn't watch the documentary, Britney Spears, but from what she heard, she didn't like the light that she was portrayed in, and she feels embarrassed about it, and has been crying. So um, there is a really serious question here of whether these things are actually damaging to the star in the end, all this attention and supposed care that we're showing them. Yeah, but, you know, there's still one more episode of Demi's docuseries left, along with the release of her album. So are you going to watch it? Are you going to listen? How are you feeling about it now? You know, um, I think that she's going to make a turn towards, like, talking about what's coming next in her career in this next installment and sort of maybe trying to put a 
an optimistic bow on the whole saga. Um, and so I'm interested to see how she does that. And, you know, Demi can really sing, so I'll always check out her music. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I found the music that she, she put out a song uh, kind of about the overdose a, a year and a half ago and it was really, really moving. Um, so, you know, for all of my concerns, I sort of understand that as an artist, she has a lot of material to work with and, and I kind of am interested to see the way that she does that. So, you know, I'm as, I'm as hooked as anyone. Yeah, I, I feel you. I'll, I'll definitely be listening. Um, well, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, of course. Thank you. All right. That's it for today. Come back and join us tomorrow. And remember, cut it out with the anti-trans bullshit lawmakers. Be sure to subscribe to BuzzFeed Daily on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to come back for more of what you love about BuzzFeed coming to you daily. If dog people made dog food, it wouldn't be sold in a 50-pound bag in the hardware aisle by the shoe polish. It would actually be food. It would be made with real, fresh meat and veggies gently cooked to preserve their nutritional value. You know, like food. The Farmer's Dog was created by dog people who cook and deliver fresh, healthy food. Try the Farmer's Dog and get fresh, pre-portioned meals tailored to your dog's needs. Tell us about your dog, build your plan, and get 50% off at thefarmersdog.com slash listen. That's thefarmersdog.com slash listen. Everybody, I'm Rachel Bonetta, and I have my very own podcast called Benched with Bonetta. You kidding me? Woo! I'm just here so I won't get fined. Every week, I'm going to be talking about all the things I find fascinating about the NFL, and I'm doing something that has never been done before. I'm opening my DMs. DMs now open. <laughs> Listen every Tuesday and join me on the bench. Subscribe now and listen to the Benched with Bonetta podcast on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Gangster Chronicles podcast is a weekly conversation that revolves around the underworld. From criminals and entertainers to victims of crime and law enforcement, we cover all facets of the game. Gangster Chronicles podcast doesn't glorify or promote illicit activities. We just discuss the ramifications and repercussions of these activities. Because after all, if you play gangster games, you are ultimately rewarded with gangster prizes. Our Heart Radio is number one for podcasts, but don't take our word for it. Find the Gangster Chronicles podcast on the iHeart Radio app or wherever you get your podcasts. 